In today's Greenlight episode, I will speak with Shante Harris, Director of Climate Investments and Partnerships at Second Muse, about some of the exciting climate tech companies and products Second Muse is investing in, from a fintech mobile app to more sustainable ship coatings. We also speak about Women of Color Collective and Sustainability, which Shante co-founded in order to provide a community for women of all backgrounds in climate tech. Thanks for tuning into the green light. Now let's dive in. So I'm Catherine McLean, founder and CEO of Dylan Green, and today I have with me Shante Harris. Shante is the director of climate investments and partnerships at Second News. She is also a venture partner at both Next Gen Venture Partners and Republic, and she is also the co-founder of Wokefis, which is Women of Color Collective and Sustainability, and she's joining us from New York. Welcome. Hi, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us all about these roles and uh, companies that you're involved with. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I lead climate investment and partnerships for Second Muse. Second Muse is a global innovation and impact firm. We've been around for over 10 years and really our thesis is how do we build future economies that are more inclusive, sustainable, and regenerative. Mm -hmm. And the way that we think about that is by looking at emerging technologies and industries and focusing in on the entrepreneurs that build economies locally and giving them the resources, the funding, the networks, the mentors that they need to thrive. And ultimately, the goal is to not only have them thrive, but have an ecosystem of partners and collaborators thrive alongside them. And so that's how we think about our work. I lead our climate tech work, which is really focused on de-risking early stage climate tech, uh, what was formerly known as clean tech. And now uh, (laughs) climate tech has re-emerged as a more expansive way of thinking about climate as a whole. And I think moving past solely focused on focusing, excuse me, on renewable energy, which was really, I think, the main component of clean tech decades ago. And now climate is permeating every aspect of business. And so what does it mean to find the next innovator and founder, give them the hands-on support that they need, help them fundraise, think through their data rooms, their cap tables, and also support them and getting plugged into the ecosystem and different opportunities Mm -hmm. that they have in the U.S. So that's what we do with Venture for Climate Tech, the Climate Tech Venture Studio I run. That's my day-to-day, and I really love working with founders, uh, particularly diverse founders. I've been in the city's urban and climate innovation space for years and felt that we could be doing a lot more to diversify the people behind the solutions. And it's not that they don't exist. It's oftentimes that they don't get the resources that they need or they're not identified. And so myself and my co-lead, Jackie Amable-Ross, who's a Latina woman, woman of color, we really champion diversity within climate tech and the climate tech space. And then I'll end by saying that that aligns very much with Woman of Color Collective and Sustainability, which was really a passion project that myself and my co-creator and co-founder, Jordi Vasquez, and I launched back in 2019 uh, when we were looking for a space that represented us and our lived experiences, but also identified the power of being a woman, the power of being a woman of color in this space and giving not only ourselves, but the women who are now part of this 5,000 person global collective, the resources and the community that they need to thrive within sustainability. That's great. Thank you so much for that synopsis. And I think that also my marketing manager, Lisa DeMarco, who edits this, we've had this debate back and forth about clean tech versus climate tech. And I think (laughs) you've solved it. 
the debate is over. We're going with climate tech moving forward. So thank you for that. <laughs> so I want to talk about some of the exciting companies and technologies that you've come across through your work at Second Muse. Yeah, sure. Happy to. So we just wrapped up our first year which was, you know, we were essentially building the ship while running it, you know, I'm sure you're very familiar with. (laughs) It was a a really eventful year. I mean, I'm extremely proud of all of the founders we've been able to support. We helped nine founders throughout the six and a half month program that we launched. um, And really it's split into three phases. And so we helped them not only identify a co-founding team, So let's say they're a PhD, right? Or a scientist, how do they identify a CTO or CFO or someone to really help them think through the business model? Uh, So we supported them with that. We supported a few of them with getting incorporated if they weren't already. And then we also put a big emphasis on their fundraising journey. So exposing them to all of their options. Of course, VC is a part of that, but it's not the only part of their capital stack. And if you look at a lot of climate tech founders, you'll see, I think Donnell is always the obvious one to point to. He's been able able to, through Black Power, really bring together philanthropic dollars, VC dollars, government dollars to launch his solution and help it scale. And really, I think every climate tech founder has to be thinking about their capital stack in that way. So we really focus on that. But to answer your question, what you know, innovations and founders am I most excited about? Can't really choose one because you <laughs> love all of them. One that we were just really excited about because it deviated from the deep tech or hard tech solutions that we tend to focus on and support is called Climate Ties. When they were going through our program, they were seeds. And really what they're trying to do is be the acorns for climate investment. So helping everyday people essentially round up their change and put that towards an investment into a local green infrastructure project. So seeing firsthand, how do you fund something locally through the change that you have within a bank account, right? Or what does it look like for you to really round up to the the, the nearest dollar and support a really great community solar project, for mm-hmm. example? So that's one. Another great innovation that we were excited about is Bolt Post. And that's led by three incredible guys that went through the the first cohort of companies. And what they're doing is taking lampposts and retrofitting them. So thinking about how do you use existing city infrastructure to add on additional assets for the energy transition. And I think that we're seeing more conversations like that within the U.S. There's actually been some successful models already in places like Europe. And so they really want to support the the U.S. market and thinking about existing infrastructure uses for the energy transition. And they actually think about a month ago, I might be a a little off there, raised their $1.3 million pre-seed round. So we're really excited about what they're building. And they're really looking at equity at the forefront of how they roll out their products. So where are electric vehicle charging stations needed the most? I think, unfortunately, historically, if you look at many deployments, they, they tend to not focus on communities that really need you know, the access to a specific innovation or technology. And they want to make sure that they're doing that and doing that with community. So those are two that come to mind. Uh, We also have a couple of amazing female founders. We have an incredible uh, founder named Aaron from Mars Material. And he's essentially taking a new approach to material science and figuring out how do you use a process within uh, material science to sequester carbon. So Mm -hmm. carbon sequestration, carbon captures all the rave 
wave right now. And we're really looking at how do you think about the solutions and the technologies that have tangible applications today. So that's one of the really exciting innovations within our cohort as well. Yeah. It's just amazing to me, the different technologies that are coming out on the market. I just have really noticed it in the past sort of year or two. There's just so much technology and so much exciting things that are happening. Lampposts. Who knew? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I want to talk about uh, DEIJ. How do you integrate diversity, equity, and inclusion into the Venture for Climate Tech program? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's one that pretty much the entire climate ecosystem is grappling with, um, particularly climate tech. I mean, you look at Silicon Valley and what VC has been, and we know the stats, so I don't need to repeat Mm -hmm. that that women and people of color are getting such a small percentage of VC dollars still, even if you look at the recent numbers from 2021. And so I think it has to be multilateral approach. It has to be an understanding of how do you bring together not only capital in a diverse and inclusive way, but also recruitment, right? So where are we finding founders? I think what I love about what Jackie and I and our team have built is that we really looked at recruitment as something that we had to be intentional about. And so when we say diversity, equity, inclusion, we can't say we're going to recruit and then not acknowledge that we all have our limitations as it relates to our networks. So one thing that we did was actually hire scouts across the globe to scout for global innovations. And that meant that if we were not plugged into Latin America or Asia, who can we bring on to the team, particularly for recruitment to help us find those founders that are from the global South or are from Latin America and Asia and Africa. And so It was interesting because it seems pretty straightforward, but, you know, to our knowledge, it's not actually that common. And our hope is not to say, hey, we did this thing. We're so great because we did this thing, which, yes, we're proud that we were able to hire some people, pay them, pay some diverse folks to go out and essentially help us build a diverse pipeline. But also now we've created a new this tactic, right, for others in the ecosystem to be thinking about how they recruit. So recruitment is a, a big part of this. We are at the earliest stage of climate tech. And so we're really one of very few, if not the only kind of venture studio model, which means that we're really working with the founder at their prototype and their MVP stage. They oftentimes haven't you know, necessarily secured their first pilot or even customer. They're still mm-hmm. beta testing all of those things. And if you're going to diversify an industry, why not start, right? Like that's the best place to start yep. is at that stage. And so we don't take it lightly. I mean, again, I mentioned Jackie is a Latina. She was the first Latina to raise millions of dollars for a hardware startup. I've been an operator for years, scaling all different stages of companies into new markets. And so together we take our individual expertise of understanding founders and scaling companies. And we essentially said, hey, we're going to build a great program. And diversity will happen because we're going to be intentional about how we, again, not only recruit, but we've thought about diversity down to the mentors that we invite to be a part of the program, right? If we have a queer Black man in our cohort, We believe that in this ecosystem, there are others who identify with those identities and can be of help to these founders. And so our mentors are very diverse, and we were intentional about reaching out to universities, HBCUs, getting folks involved, even building a board that's diverse. 
that's the hard part about it, right? Because you have to think about it at every step of the way. And I think oftentimes what has happened in our space is people will say, okay, I'm launching this climate justice aspect, or I'm doing equity over here. But the reality is like equity should be a through line in everything that we do. Diversity should be a through line in everything that we do. And so if our founder cohort is diverse, which it was, we were proud to say that 86% of our cohort was diverse in terms of race, gender, ethnicity, educational background, where they grew up as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so critical to look at not only the founders and how they represent diversity, but then how are our mentors matching up when it comes to diversity? How does our board reflect the future of climate tech and innovation that we want to see? Who do we invite to be judges for our global innovation challenge? And I remember... We launched our Global Innovation Challenge last year as well, and a few women joined, and they were like, wow, like, it's so great to see such a global, diverse group of people. And, you know, that wasn't by mistake. It was by design. We we intentionally thought about that aspect. And so there's always room for improvement, but I, I really think the answer is to not silo it and say, hey, if we're going to do diversity, equity, inclusion, it, it, it can't and it shouldn't be. It won't have the impact that we want to see if it's its own bucket that kind of sits off to the side. It needs to become a through line in every aspect of what you're building. And yeah, I mean, people are out there. You just you got to find them. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah, I think it's it's just so important, like what you're saying about the beginning, because I have a lot of companies that come to me, even 10 people in who say, "Uh oh, the founders got a bunch of people in their network. Now they're 10 people in. What do we do? You know, so I think by starting the beginning, because people that you hire are looking to who is in the firm to start with. So if you have diversity to start with, (laughs) then it begets getting diversity through, like you said, through the the whole process of hiring the rest of the team becomes, I don't want to say easy because easy is certainly not the right word, but a little less challenging. Tell me about this Women of Color Collective and Sustainability, WOCSIS. How was this organization developed and what's it been like over time? How's it evolved? Yeah, it's evolved a lot. It's really taken on a life of its own. I think Jordi and I couldn't have imagined that it would be what it is today mm-hmm. in 2022. Um, I met Jordi at Climate Week. Uh, I think it might have been 2017. I'm, I'm blanking. Could have been 2016 at this point. <laughs> and I remember for so long, I was really the only woman, the only Black person, the youngest person in the room. And we were talking about major projects that were going to impact communities of all backgrounds, right? And I spent a long time being a go-to-market strategist and really thinking about cross-sector collaboration and what does it mean to build stakeholder alignment. I think the reality is that when it comes to climate, when it comes to how we build regenerative cities of the future, we have to involve people who have a diversity of thought. And that comes from bringing people from the community, right? I live in New York, so a lot of this was in the context of New York, but I'd argue that a lot of it mirrors what happens in other cities as well. If you're going to put in place a hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicle charging station in a community, understanding that community making sure that they understand the product, that they've been included in your customer segmentation. All of those pieces really Mm -hmm. matter. So all of that to say that I was feeling pretty lonely, but also just unenthused about the lack of even intention behind some of the work we were doing. And it became 
really interesting for me because a lot of it felt like just what you would do typically if you were entering a new market. You wouldn't assume things about your customer. You would not do the customer discovery to make sure that what you're offering and your messaging speaks to the customer, but that's literally what was happening all the time. So anyways, fast forward to Climate Week, I was really excited to go to this event. It was an event for women, and I was thrilled to even see on the Climate Week agenda that there was an event specifically for women to network and get to know one another. And I walked in, and I think to be frank, it was pretty much all white women. And I remember looking to the right of where I was seated and I saw some curly hair and (laughs) that happened to be Jordy. And we just sort of smiled at each other and we were so ecstatic to be there. And we understood the power of women being the room, but we also asked the question, well, what does it mean for women to have access if this doesn't represent the diversity of women? Like when we say Mm -hmm. women, it should represent all women, right? And what our experiences yep. are. And so really it it happened or Wokesis became what it is today because Jordy had a newsletter called Urban Onsite. I was always hosting private events with my company and trying desperately <laughs> to invite all the women and people of color I knew at the intersection of cities and urban and climate innovation. And so I started inviting her to pretty much all of the events that my team threw. She would send me this newsletter and was like, hey, do you know that this event's happening? You should come to this. And we became a resource for each other in our careers. And then one day we sat down and we were like, hey, this is great that we're doing this for one another, but what would it look like to provide this to other women of color, right? Like we can't be the only ones out here. We know we're not. And so how do we bring women of color together and create an impact? And, you know, we did some research because we didn't want to just launch something if something already existed and we couldn't find anything. And I remember we were hanging out, I think it might've been in South Street Seaport. And we sort of looked at each other and we were like, I guess we're gonna do this thing, right? It matters, it matters to us. And so we always tell people, we really built the community that we didn't have, the community that we desired. And now, you know, I know you're a bit familiar with Women of Color Collective and Sustainability. You've been a supporter and just the things that you tag us in, which we're, we're very grateful for. And, you know, really what we aim to do is provide women of color with the resources the network, the mentorship that they need to thrive within the sustainability industry and in their careers, but also personally and their well-being. That duality, right, of, hey, we want to give you what you need to be an incredible architect, engineer, founder, businesswoman, but we also want you to have a space for you, right? That feels like you can, I think, be honest and open and transparent about the things that you're experiencing within the industry and have peers that support you through it. Yeah, that's what Wokesis is today. We couldn't have imagined that COVID was going (laughs) to really just propel our vision so much because community became a central point of every dialogue during COVID. And so we decided to launch something called the Collective Resiliency Summit, planned that in a matter of maybe two and a half weeks. And we ended up having over 400 people from across the globe RSVP and sign up to attend, 20 partners and sponsors. And it solidified for us that this work really mattered not only climate and and look at specific climate issues related to wherever we're visiting, uh, but also spend more time in nature. Jordi and I just spoke about planning for 2022 and we're like, hey, you know, happy hours are great. Dinners are great, but we also want to do more hikes. We want to have more picnics. 
work. We want to really like immerse ourselves in the work that we're doing on a day to day. Yeah, that's the story behind Wokesis. And again, it's kind of taken on its own life. It's funny, I'm aware of it, I've been a big supporter of it, but since you were talking, it's like a couple people popped into my head that I was thinking, oh, I should have recommended Wokesis to them. So as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to go email them and be like, I forgot to tell you this. Because there's so many you know, women who come to me, women of color come to me who say, where do I go? How can I help myself? Like mm-hmm. they want to help themselves. They just don't know where to go. Yeah. An, an awesome place for them to go. So I'm going to make sure I make that happen relaunching just um, it's really easy to sign up like you go to our website we have a google group we have a linkedin group so mm-hmm. it's sort of like choose your own journey like we didn't want to mm-hmm. throw newsletters down people's inbox i think the last thing anyone wants is a bunch of more newsletters so we we're like how about we offer a linkedin group a google group we do have a newsletter as well but it's really what do you need to feel a part of a community and feel like you have the tools at this point in your career and we're actually re- launching our kind of hiring and and job platform. So we'll have some exciting announcements around that soon. And it'll just be a lot more holistic where you can create a profile. You can actually look at companies and companies can also view your your profile. So making it more of a, I think, an opportunity to really understand what's what opportunities are out in the ecosystem. That is really, really great because you're right. Everybody needs something different. Somebody might need help finding a job, but then someone like I got a call the other day and they were just like, I don't feel like I'm being paid equally to my colleague. What do you do? How do you approach it? And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot of different challenges that we face. So I think it's good that you're not just like you said, just offering a newsletter. It's a bit more holistic than that. My final question is, around mentorship. So I noticed that you mentioned mentorship a little bit earlier, but I noticed that you also founded a Dreamers Doers, a female-focused collaboration and co-mentorship community of entrepreneurs, investors, and advisors. You also were a go-to-market mentor for Impact by Women, which helps women entrepreneurs get ready for capital investment and matches them with values-aligned investors. Why do you think mentorship is so important? And can you talk a bit about your mentors and mentees? Yeah, uh, Dreamers and Doers is incredible. I can't speak highly enough of Gesh. I remember coming across it when I was kind of craving community. Like I remember starting out my career and thinking, wow, I feel like I have a great job, but I also want more women in particular in my space to help me think through not only next steps, but you know what it means for me to continue on down this journey. And I think most people want that, right? Regardless of your background. I mean, mentorship is so critical to me and, and I'll never forget Claire Wasserman, founder of Ladies Get Paid. I think she either, I had interviewed her, I've worn a lot of hats because I'm just a curious person and kind of jump head first. Yeah things that excite me, um, clearly. And I remember I was interviewing her for Her Agenda, which is another amazing publication run by a Black woman that everyone should check out if you're a woman looking for career tips. But yeah, I was writing this interview or interviewing Claire for her feature, and she mentioned peer mentorship. 
She was like, mm-hmm. oftentimes when we think about mentorship, we think we have to go find the CEO or, you know, the woman or the person who's leading the department and, you know, make them our mentor. And of course there's value in that. I, I highly recommend people having mentors that have maybe lived a different life or been in the industry longer and can kind of share with you some of the insights that they've gathered along the way. But I'd argue that the most important, you know, this is what Claire was talking about as well when I spoke to her years ago, that really pair mentorship is the most critical mentorship you can have. Because if you think about it, right, if let's say, you know, I'm a director, I have another friend who's a director at a venture fund, a climate tech venture fund, another friend who's a director at, like, we're all having a similar experience in some way because of where we sit within an organization or a company. And I mean, I've been so blessed to be pulled into, whether it's a WhatsApp group or a Twitter chat and literally just women, like sharing everything from salary to what should I be asking for in my interview process? Like, have you heard anything about this org? Are they good? Do they treat their employees well? These are the things that oftentimes we're not comfortable and rightfully so saying out loud, whether it's social media or even if you go to an event, right? If it's a, a big event, but if you're in a more intimate circle of women that particularly share your industry, share your experience or on the same level as you in terms of where they're at in their career. There's so much insight. And I have found that women are so willing to share, Hey, I made this mistake. Like, don't do the same thing that I did. Or, yeah. you know, I wish I had been more confident when I was like five years ago. Like, I wish I had done this thing in my career. I wish I hadn't waited to do this. Yeah. And I think those are the nuggets that prove to be so powerful And when I think of mentorship, I really think of those things. Like it's essentially your peers. Some of them, of course, are older, but mentorship to me is really, are you getting insights that you wouldn't otherwise have that help you create a path that feels right to you? And that can come from someone who's 20 years older than you and, you know, is maybe in the C-suite, but it can also come from someone who's maybe already worked in a space that you're interested in transitioning to or want to learn more about. And I think that we should be looking at mentorship as like that holistic opportunity and not just, hey, I want to go meet the CEO or the person I think is running the ship. Because there's so many people who are doing amazing work alongside them or even report to them and imagine how much they know, you know, about what's really happening. So I think mentorship is critical. It's something that we really try to champion through WOCSIS. And I think mentorship can come from community simply. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this, Shantae. It was really, really great to learn more about you and all the organizations that you're involved in. You are a busy lady and <laughs> and very grateful for all the hard work that you're doing for our, our industry and, and for women. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here. I know you've been doing these for a while, so it's been nice to tune in and you know finally be able to participate in one as well. Thanks for listening to the Greenlight Podcast. Are you looking for your next role in climate tech? Join the latest growing network of clean tech professionals and be the first to know about when industry-leading clean tech companies first post new job openings, from development to finance to marketing, by checking out our website, dylan-green.com slash latest hyphen jobs. Dylan Green is transforming business through talent. You can also find us on YouTube, where we engage with today's top clean energy leaders.